Yes, coming in hot with episode 18 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who thinks he is as big as the big six and is, and definitely is as greedy as the big six, Jobber. How are you, mate? Yeah, g'day, mate. Once again, you've missed the big picture. Um, I'm great. I'm great. The Nations League is behind us. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I want to. I tried, and I said on the last pod, I wanted to fall in love with it, but um, it's just they make it hard, don't they? I've tried my best too. I honestly, I've got up for um, a handful of games over this um, this break, and it just they just haven't done it. I don't know. The games didn't click, or you know, there's been a few team changes on players I'm looking to watch, and they, they don't get there. So yeah, nah, it's tough, it's, isn't it? It's hard yeah, to compete. It's tough, but look. It was a bit of a silver lining. So um, Spain lost their first game in two years. So they lost one nil to the Ukraine. So if you're a if you're a regular listener, you'll know that the Ukraine was beaten by France seven one. Uh, not even a well, maybe a week ago, um, and the Ukraine haven't actually scored against Spain in seventeen years. The last goal scorer, and this is one from the archives, Andrei Shevchenko. Remember him? Yeah, I love a bit of Shevchenko. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. He was a really good footballer for Chelsea. Um, so then that, that got me thinking, what's the biggest upset in internationals you have ever seen? Ooh, there's a lot of England ones to choose from, uh, which brought a lot of heartbreak. But um, the biggest one has to be um, 2016 um, on the way to the quarterfinals. Uh, England run into Iceland. And everyone thinks, gee, what luck of the draw that is. They can pump all Iceland and go through. Not to be, not to be. England somehow um, butcher it and lose 2-1. And, of course, um, there's that weird Iceland clap that no one likes. And your boy, Roy, loses his job that night. Didn't even get to leave the stadium and he gets sacked on the spot. So... Which has been unusual that um, international teams move that fast. You see that in the club world every now and then, but yeah, not an international. So yeah, that that was probably the biggest upset I've seen. Iceland beating England um, in a major tournament, twenty sixteen. What's yours, mate? So I, I had I had a number of thoughts in this one. So Senegal France was one that popped immediately to mind. So um, they first beat game them. of the World Cup. Isn't yeah, it, first one? game France were the champions. But the one I actually landed on um, that's changed in the last five minutes was Greece two Portugal one, and it wasn't just the final of Euro two thousand and four that convinced me. Um, it was the heroics of Otto Ray Hagel in the manager and Theo Zagarakis, Leicester City legend. Um, Agreed. But they went on to win potentially the most boring Euros of all time. Um, they beat the reigning champions, France, and then they beat Portugal in the final 2-1. And um, I'm not sure if you remember Cristiano Ronaldo's tears after full time. That seemed to be burned yeah. into my skull, just how boring Greece were. But it was just upset after upset after upset, and you kept seeing them win like 1-0 and dour draws. Yeah, didn't they? Um, didn't they win that tournament and only won two games at the tournament or something like that? Like oh. I think they they got they won in the group stage and I think they got a couple of draws to get through, and then I think they didn't actually win um, any of their games in in normal time. Well, they won one of them in normal time. All the rest they sort of snuck out a goal goal or or a um, a penalty shootout to to get through. But yeah, I do remember that tournament. It's still shocking to this day that Greece won that. And that Portuguese squad was bloody good too. Like that was the only time we got to see Figo and Ronaldo like in the same team. Um, it, it just it hurts me inside to think about it. But Ronaldo's <laughs> career would have gone on to be something a bit bigger if he won that tournament that young. Uh, no, I, I think he's just the person that he is. Um, I mean, he would have went on anyway. anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the big time for those Greek players because I don't think any of them did much after that. But. Yeah. Um, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie came good. Ronnie came good. So, look, it's been a big week this week. Um, international football has come in, but there was a chance for the greedy people of Liverpool and Manchester United to, um, like, eke their way into Project Big Picture. I think we might touch on that a bit later, won't we? Yeah, it needs to be touched on. But, um, yeah, I think it's sort of – it's a bit polarising. It's really hard to form an opinion on this, whether obviously you're going to sink – um, a couple of teams um, or sort of hand over all the power over to just um, the big six. So, mm, yeah, interesting one, but we, we will dive on to dive into that a bit later after the review. Yep. Um, what else is happening? Oh, Ronaldo has this, one, this one hits home. 
This one hits home. How has coronavirus gotten into Cristiano Ronaldo's body? I want to know who's responsible. I think it might be Trump. Is it possible? It could be. Um, but what was interesting was that he got diagnosed. Um, he got positive. He got tested positive. Then um, the day before, he was um, photographed at dinner with all the Portuguese players, and he's around the table with like you know the you know other fifteen people in the squad. And so um, I'm not sure any of them tested positive. Um, and and he did, which is unusual that um, they didn't they didn't test positive, considering they were so close to him and stuff like that. Um, what did you think of the young French guy who got his shirt at the end of the game and he left the ground? And they said, "Hey, um, are you going to wash that?" I can't remember the player, and he's like, "No, it's Ronaldo's shirt. I will never wash this shirt." And then come out the next day, they had coronavirus. So, what would you do? Wash the shirt or not wash the shirt? Oh well. Like I suppose I'm not a um, – so that's Camavinga took the shirt. But oh, yeah. like I'm not a chemist by any means. But I think that if I could isolate the shirt for 14 days and then have it retested, then maybe I would wash it. Otherwise, I'm not washing it. Like what? No way. Ronaldo put it straight in the back. glass. Yeah, yeah. Go, go to the picture framer. Get him to frame it straight away. Really? I was going to wear um, it. Give him a heads up and um, and then away you go. And then it's stuck inside the frame forever. And it just adds a bit more gravy to that story. Um, other weekend happenings is Harry Maguire's nightmare football career since he left Leicester City has continued. What's happened to Harry? Oh, Harry, 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 what is going on? Oh, I thought, look, I think he was a bit hard done by. Um, so I think, again, we might revisit this when we talk about the England game. But look, Harry got himself sent off this morning and it was very, very early. Um, yeah. But look, let's let's give him the flavour of the pod and we'll revisit Harry's travails. All right, let's do it. So we're going to cover just a handful of internationals because I think I think there was something like 60 games or something like that over the last couple of days, so with no chance of covering all those. So I've picked out a handful to cover there. Then, thank God, the Prem is back with a bang, some big fixtures, um, full round of fixtures this weekend. Then we will do um, Project Big Picture, um, and then we'll touch on some uh, socials in the mailbag, won't we? But let's do it. Let's go into the first game that I've got noted here. So England nil, Denmark one. What happened to the boys? Uh, oh, well. So I think it's about the fourth minute. I think Harry Maguire picks up a very lazy yellow card. Um, so the Dan- Danish player is surrounded by English players. I think there's three around him. For some reason, Harry runs through the back of him. Like So even if he yeah. gets that out, he's going nowhere. And he's um, in their half as well. Yeah, just... Stupid Weird. from Maguire. So then we go on and we go on. Um, not, there's a couple of chances in there. Reese James seems to be ticking along. And then Harry Maguire gets the ball in halfway. So we're 31 minutes in. Harry Maguire gets the ball in halfway. Shock and touch. And then like he knocks the ball forward with his toe. So he's lunging forward, clearly gets the ball. Then the Danish player goes down like he's been shot. And red card, like second yellow. That was not a red card. Yeah, so he sort of – one of those ones where he gets the ball and like hooks it back um, and then just sort of follows through and, and crushes his ankle on the other side. So, I mean, I think it's just down to this international refereeing. Any day in the Premier League, that's not even a foul. But for some reason in international football, not only do they give a foul, they give him a second yellow. But don't you think if that's in the Prem, no one gets a yellow card or even a free kick for that second one. I just don't think it's a yellow card anywhere. Like mm. Harry, Harry gets the ball. Like Harry clearly gets the ball. The Danish player has ample opportunity to not be in the situation. Like the Danish player puts himself into danger. Yeah. Like Harry, Harry's already there. Like he's already on the ground. Harry Maguire's not that fast. I know this might surprise a few listeners and yourself, but if Harry's already on the ground, then any other human beings probably had significant chance to clear out. Like Harry, Harry Maguire can do nothing about that and has done nothing wrong. Apart from the when the ball got played to him, his first touch was very, very heavy. That's what got him into the traffic. I thought it was a shot. <laughs> that was terrible. So let's go on to the next refereeing decision after Harry exits the, the pitch and England go down to 10 men. The penalty against um, Kyle Walker. Ball bouncing around on his chest and sort of, you know, mix up with Pickford. The, the Dane sort of steps across him. And what do you think, pen or no pen? Um, so I'd like to just allude quickly to Jordan Pickford's role in this shit show. Um, what is he doing? 
he's just watching it bounce around and, yeah. and um <laughs> Cole's clearly struggling. Like, get in there, Pickford. You can pick it up. Or stay, or stay out of there. Or like, stay at home, yeah. One or two. Like, do, yeah. Don't do – don't try and do both. Like, Yeah, God, don't complicate it but not solve it. Yeah. He, he, I think he added, added to the issue. But, like, and what has happened there for it to be a penalty? Like, yeah, it's... What in that incident is the referee like, yeah, and he's he's got a perfect view. So I've watched it on TV, so I've got a reasonable angle, and then I get to watch four or five replays. He's standing right in front of it. What has he seen that I haven't in five replays? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think not only the first two that we spoke about just then, like we're only at minute 25, I think, at this stage, but um, it's just a lot of the other decisions that I saw inside the game as well where they're just like, you know, someone getting clipped or something, and you're like, oh, yeah, free kick, no worries, clipped him. But then he comes out with a yellow card, and I was like, that's just so – just over-refereeing the game. There's just no need to dish out yellow cards for that. And then other situations where it's just a collision, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's a collision, play on. And he's, he's bringing, car, um, bringing free kicks out for it. Yeah, just, I don't know, a little bit crazy for me, the the refereeing, and just hard to wrap your head around, I suppose, because we're watching Prem all the time, that when this ha- actually happens um, – it's just a bit shocking that so, um, you see the these yellows. The shambles at this point, so you're like, oh, geez, like I don't, you don't want to sit on a, you know, a pod on your high horse, and I imagine you are recording on a high horse, but um, on one right yeah. but it wasn't done. Like the the craziness wasn't done after full time. The referee has sent off Reese James for airing his views as well. So Reese James has been sent off after full time. So if you catch the highlights of this game, you won't see it. But Reese James was sent off as well. So he gets a um, he gets a yellow, doesn't he, Reese James, or is it straight red? I think it's a straight red. Yeah. Like, Unbelievable. Oh my god! What? It's absolute... hard to wrap your head around. But Ericsson goes on, converts the penalty. Um, Denmark go on and and win that game. Um, and then I think th- this throws the, that group into a bit of chaos too because um, what's happened here is um, Denmark have jumped over England and they're into second now with Belgium on top and England third with Iceland fourth and they're well off the pace. So after four games, you've got Belgium on nine points, Denmark and England locked on seven, um, but Denmark with a better goal difference and England paid Belgium again. So obviously Iceland out of it and now it's it's a bit of a three-way fight for either uh, missing out completely um, on on going through the next round or um, topping the group. So it's it's pretty tight there. But I, I wanted to talk about um, Calvin Phillips. So he played in the centre of the park, which I thought was a bit of a surprise selection considering Henderson was sitting on the bench. But does he pass forward at any point of the game? I hope not. Um, sideways and back. Yeah, he does. But but I also wonder if that was a that was a byproduct of them only having ten players, like, and it was a lot of keep the ball, and everyone was too gassed to be moving forward. But yeah, he does seem to recycle possession more than he has much intent with the ball, doesn't he? Yeah, um, potentially that that's one thing I hadn't thought of. That yeah, once they got on the ball, they want to keep it and slow it down rather than um, zip it forward. But just yeah, I was just shocked a couple of times where I actually thought he could push forward and break a line. Um, yeah, he sort of chopped back inside and um, and kept the ball and went sideways or backwards. And it's not as if that um, like what was happening is um, England were getting pressed, so it's not as if um, when the ball went backwards, all it did was just go to centre back to the right back and get clipped in the channel, which is something that he could have done anyway. So yeah, I'm not really sure what they're. What did you they're... What did you make of Marcus Rashford's performance? I know they're down to ten men, but um, I don't know. Is the NBA going to his head a little bit? Because his form lately has been not diabolical, but certainly not up to his own high standards. Nah, it's not up to his high standards, but I think you forget. Some people forget how young he is. Like. Although he's been around the traps a while um, because he's so young, it's just difficult to sort of wrap your head around um, how young he is. And so that's just a product of being a young player, I think, getting um, those inconsistent performances. But, yeah, he was definitely um, MIA and he got the hook at about um, 70 minutes, which is, I mean, doesn't sound too too crazy when you think about it. Like a, a guy playing on the left wing and or as a second striker getting the hook at 70 minutes, I mean, that's often the, the first sub that happens. But you've got to remember the context of the game. The England were down to 10 men, needed a goal, um, and were behind. So in theory, why would you take Rashford off? It, it's clearly performance-based and um, Dominic Calvin-Lewin come on for him and, and, and looked okay, to be honest. So 
Yep. Tough times for England, um, but what do you do? All right, so let's go to the next one. So um, a Ronaldo-less Portugal beats Sweden 3-0. And why, why has this one excited you? <laughs> this one's excited me just to see Portugal um, get it done and get it done so emphatically without Ronaldo. So obviously we've spoken about how, how strong their, their team is, but they looks like they played a full-strength team for this, which so they should have because um, this one was for, for points to get them up. But, yeah, I thought um, Ruben Diaz did well um, next to next to Pepe and it was nice to see um, Jota, Fernandez and Silva um, link up with Felix as well. But, yes, um, got it done rather easily and I think – Portugal just look like a Rolls Royce at the moment, don't they? Yeah, I think there's still even more to come. I thought they were like relatively good against France. I think um, the previous match, um, I did, I sat down and watched, and it was fairly disappointing. But they like they they held their own. France are very good, um, but I think there's a lot of upside um, to the Portuguese team. Ronaldo was probably coming a bit deeper in the France game, which was a bit frustrating for the uh, for the neutral. But yeah, look, I think they've got a lot of upside, and they almost pinched it there, but. Now, good result for Portugal, and I really hope that they can um, get their way. I don't know how this exactly works, but I hope they can get into the Nations League final because I'd like to see them a bit more of them. Well, well they need to finish in the top two of their group to get through, but um, Jota had an interesting game, so two goals and a yellow card, so he um, he knocked about a fair bit and did really well. Um, let's see if he starts the Merseyside derby um, this week. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't bank on it. Oh, wait, is Mane still in quarantine? No, Mane's getting around, I think. Yeah. Maybe it should be in quarantine. Um, all right, so the next one is Germany 3, Switzerland 3. What do you think of this one? Oh, this is a heartbreaker. Like Switzerland went 2-0 up uh, and we're doing quite well and then um, and then Germany got their two goals and then Switzerland got ahead again and went 3-2 and then, um, yeah, late doors, um, Germany got their um, – oh, sorry, Gnabry got their goal. Later on, but I was just yeah a bit devastated for the Swiss not to um, do the Germans in. But like Germany looked good going forward and a bit patchy at the back, which is a little bit unusual. What, what did you think? Uh, pragmatic. No, look, I um I it was entertaining, and I think that Germany have um, just a absolute plethora of attacking options. Um, Spain had a couple of tough days actually. That's uh, Spain, Switzerland. Um, they had Spain on Sunday, and they went down one nil, and they had to back up against the Germans. But I suppose that's what you get in the uh, in the big. Uh, Group A or Group One or League group, A, yeah. League A, Group D. My mistake. Um, but yeah, look, no, I think they, they held their own. They should be relatively happy. Newcastle legend Fabian Shah um, was sent off, so that's, that's disappointing mm. for him. He's Two a yellows, big unit. Yeah. but um, yeah, no, look, they can they can hold their head up high, and um, hopefully they can stay in the group. Might be a bit tricky for them now. Might be a bit tricky for them. Agreed. Um, but it was good to see um, Chelsea's um, men do rather well in, in this. Like watching Werner and um, Havertz in this game, they, oh, they look just much more settled in this German team where they sort of know their role and, and what they're doing, whereas you can still see that um, they're still trying to figure that out when they play for Chelsea. But they look like, you know, they, they grew sort of 10% when they play for um, Germany because they sort of um, understand what they're doing. And Chelsea's forgotten hero, <laughs> Antonio Rudiger, actually had an absolute disaster class. Did you see that header that he tried to yeah. get off the line? Tried yeah. to back yeah. header or something? Oh, what yeah. was he doing? That's why Frank dropped him. Um, but we might post that up later on the Facebook page, actually, because I think that's worth having a look at. Yeah. All right. Finally, let's, let's get back into it. Thank We're God. We're fucking back, hey? Thank God for this. <laughs> and what a way to come back. So we've got the, uh, the might of Liverpool versus top of the league Everton. Jeez, that just – it still doesn't sound right saying it, does it? But uh, taking notes for this game I found a little bit difficult because just because we're coming off the international break, like you just can't really understand what the teams are going to do, like what condition the players are going to come back on, who have to travel certain distances and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit hard when I was taking notes for this one. But um, I think that the international break came at a very poor time for Everton, wouldn't you agree? Like they're flying – they were flying – um, the last thing they wanted was to stop their flow or, or yeah, go on an international break um, and play a couple of games. So, yeah, bad news for them. So it'll be interesting to see if they sort of go back to it and hit the ground running and away they go. Um, or it was, yeah, it does sort of slow their form or, or slow their role a little bit 
What do yeah, you think? Yeah, it's tricky because um, yeah, I think they were just on such a hot streak. But I think Carlo can manage that sort of stuff. Like he's an experienced gaffer. And I think if anyone's well placed to do it, it's him. But they are Liverpool are unbeaten in their last twenty-two meeting, meetings with Everton in all competitions. So and they've got some late goals um, against Everton, haven't they? Yeah, so it's. I just think it's worrying signs of Everton. But Liverpool were so bad last time out, so bad. I don't know. I just like to set everyone's mind back to Aston Villa seven, Liverpool oh, just... two. See, that's just unbelievable as well. Whereas, um, obviously, the international break came in probably a good time for those Liverpool players. So to do to train all week um, after getting battered seven two um, with Klopp there would would be difficult. So it's probably good that the players got out, got you know met with the international teams, had a couple of games, and sort of come back, start afresh. So yeah, international break came in a good time for Liverpool. So let's see what that does. International break came in a bad time for Everton. So let's see what that does. I am picking Liverpool to get it done. What do you think? Uh, I'm actually going to go against, and I believe Allison is out, and I think he is very important. Um, Don't worry. We've got trusty. Adrian. <laughs> trusty Adrian. Jordan Pickford up the other end. Like, oh. I think I think you're going to have to see a keeper gaff in this game, aren't you? Yeah, there's goals in this for sure. There's, yeah. there's goals and there's mistakes. Uh, I'm actually going to tip Everton. Mm-hmm. Go out on a limb. Score, scored win. Both teams to score. Yeah, both teams to score. Uh, probably a Pickford own goal, if not an own goal, very close to it. I don't know how you grade that, but um, basically Jordan will be responsible. Okay, so we've got pretty close picks actually. So we've both got keeper howlers. We've both got both teams to score, whereas I've gone for Liverpool, you've gone to Everton. So <laughs> let's see. Let's see who lands on the truth. All right. So Chelsea versus Southampton. Who do you like in this one? And which Chelsea mm. are we going to see? Yeah, well, I actually had that in my notes, actually. Yeah, which Chelsea are we going to see was the first thing I, I had jotted down here. But I think watching their players um, on this international break, they, they look in good form. I know you touched on Rashford's form looking a bit patchy for Manchester United and for England, whereas um, Havertz and Werner, they, they look rather strong for, for Germany over the last couple of games. Um, looking in good form, created some good chances. I think Chelsea will be too strong for them. It's at the bridge. Um, which plays very much into Chelsea's hands. Um, and, yeah, I just think Werner looking so good um, over the international break. He's definitely going to start. Let's see what Tammy does um, after his little mishap and didn't get to travel with the England squad. So he would have been with Frank um, over the break training. Um, but I don't think he'll start. I think Werner will start. And I think Chelsea will be too much for Southampton. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm, the only thing that um, there's a bit of a caveat to that is Eduard Mendy was injured. Um, uh, I think he hurt his thigh on international duty for Senegal. So again, <laughs> these keepers just Did keep he popping travel? up. Did huh? he travel for that game? Did he sure travel if, for that game? I'm not sure if he travelled, but um, Kepa stayed home. Kepa's fit and firing, so potentially Kepa could start. And I imagine his his woes will continue again. So Southampton are a chance here, um, and I, I think that they're. They're a shout. Just I just don't know what team Chelsea are going to show up with. It could be it could be anything. Um, I do think they they should have too much in the armory to take care of them. But um, yeah, look, they've won seven of their last nine against Southampton. I can't see them getting beaten again. So I'm going to go with Chelsea on this one. Chelsea by Chelsea a few, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go on to the master versus the apprentice. The master Arteta versus the apprentice Pep. What's happening here, Man City, Arsenal? Wow. Wow. What a game. Um, Saturday night, actually. Saturday night, Sunday morning. It's just a crackerjack series of fixtures. So, oh, wow. This is a hard one. Um, so, Manchester City currently sitting pretty uh, – where are they in the table now? 14th. 14th. So, relegation fodder. Um, Arsenal fourth. Arsenal fourth. Arsenal have looked all right too. Like, outplayed against Liverpool, but we don't know how much we can read into that. Um I think Arsenal have been quite impressive outside of that Liverpool. Even against Liverpool, they were all right. They were just beaten by a better side. But they've been very impressive this year. While see, cities seem to have some serious problems, like the draw against Leeds and um, Leicester City fiasco. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost brave enough here to say Arsenal, but City are unbeaten in their last nine meetings with Arsenal, um, and they've scored at least twice in all nine of those games. So could it be City's boys bouncing back against Arteta? Or is Arteta the real deal? What do you think? Mm, well, I think Arteta is the real deal. I just think the growth of his team is going to take a bit longer than um, 
than this game sort of this weekend where he's not they're not going to sort of surpass Man City and play him off the park or anything. I'm tipping Man City to have more of the ball than Arsenal as hard as Arsenal will try to to keep the ball off them. Um, I, and I'm also thinking that Man City will get this done sort of based on their patchy form and how long Pep will actually allow that to continue. So, so far this year, they're, they're beaten Wolves. They got battered against Leicester and then they drew one all against Leeds. So, real patchy start, sort of win-loss draw um, for Man City. So, I just can't understand how Pep would sort of let that continue continue and so i think he'll get that right and, and fix this up um this is at um the eddie had and that will be empty again which would be good um and i think man city will just have too much for um for arsenal and i was really impressed with kyle walker for england um last night as well so just a, just a caveat there so there are injury clouds over the following kevin de bruyne um he picked up a thigh issue on sunday i think he came off against england and left the belgium camp um, Raheem Sterling, uh, he did not link up with the England squad due to a hamstring injury. Sergio Aguero has been injured, and Gabriel Jesus is definitely out. So does that give Arsenal even more of a chance? It does, but I mean, I'm not sure Arsenal are fully fit either, are they? Oh, I think they're looking all right, but I wonder if this could be the time for Party to make his debut. Yeah, potentially. I think he, he might come into the squad a little bit slower than that. But, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. It should be good. All right, so then the match of the round. Newcastle United led by former Manchester United legend Steve Bruce against Manchester United led by former Manchester United legend and soon-to-be ex-Manchester United manager Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Who do you like in this one and why? Oh, man, I think just based on form, this one's just so hard to pick as well. I mean, United have been trash so far this season, haven't they? Like, you've just got the howler that is Harry Maguire getting around, um, just trying to throw stuff into the net. Um, and I think I'm going to – I don't know. Do you even call it an upset anymore? But I think I'm leaning towards um, – it's, it's a home towards, win. <laughs> towards Newcastle. Um, I just think that – Oddly, they're they're more consistent than um, the Manchester United at the moment. They're at home, which I think helps. Um, They're coming off beating Burnley um, at home um, 3-1 just before they they went on break. I just think they're a little bit less impacted by the international break than than Man United um, in terms of play travel and and the amount of games that they've played. But I suppose the only thing is, um, has it come at a good time for... Manchester United, that international break, probably getting away and getting out of their surroundings um, might have done them good. But, yeah, I'm going for a bit of an upset here. I'm going for both teams to score um, and I'm going for Newcastle to get it done. What do you think? Uh, yeah, look, though, I think Manchester United should have enough to beat, should have enough to beat Newcastle. Um, Newcastle have actually won two of the last three against Manchester United. Um, I don't know if you remember, is it Sean Longstaff's goal last year? Um, he always scores against United, yeah. He always, always. Um, and there's also injury clouds over. So Ed, Edison Cavani can't play because he's self-isolating and Anthony Martial is suspended. So I don't know, I'm a bit worried about where the goals are going to come from, but Donny van der Beek scored midweek and it'll be interesting to see with Martial and Cavani out whether Oli can restructure the team slightly. Um, to fit in Van der Beek, Pogba and Fernandez, who all seem to have a better time of it on international duty than they do in the club. Yeah, and um, Newcastle will be flying at the moment with um, Alan St. Maximus signing a new deal. So Big for them, isn't it? Yeah, this will be good. At least um, Newcastle will get a nice transfer fee for him soon. And that's at the user-friendly time of 6am um, Sunday morning too. So if you're looking for a good way to start your Sunday – Come down, watch the long staffs run run rings around uh, Harry Maguire and Co. <laughs> or if you're just getting home like yourself, also works very well. All right, let's get on to the snooze fest of the round. Chef United, Fulham. Why do you hate Sheffield United so much? They're just so boring. They're like Fulham. Well, this is good. This is um, 19th versus 20th. So Sheffield United um, currently, how many goals forward do you think Sheffield United have thus far this season? So we're four games in. Well, they got one, don't they? They have one. 
Yeah. <laughs> so um, if yeah. there's one game you're going to watch, this should not be the one. 10 o'clock Sunday evening, go to bed. Um, <laughs> look, Sheffield United, they both need points desperately. If Fulham don't pick up points here, they're not going to pick up points anywhere. Um, I think that Sheffield United will win this one 1-0. One what do you think? I, well, Fulham aren't going to win, so <laughs> I just it's going to be Let's draw or Sheffield United then. Yeah, but I wouldn't. Don't don't be surprised if this is a, a nil nil, real snooze fest. Really? Jeez. Mm. All right. So the next. All right. One. Let's go. Battle of the Birds. Palace versus Brighton. That's Seagulls fun. versus Eagles. What do you think? It's a derby of sorts, isn't it? Um, isn't weird? What do they call it? Like the like the F fifteen derby? Uh, some yeah, some, yeah it's it's, a, it's stretching a long bow because Brighton don't really have any rivals. Um, no, look, I think Roy's boys will do enough in this one. Uh, Wilf Zaha, Jordan Iwu, uh, easy. I think they'll have too much in the tank for Brighton, but Brighton are a pretty good team to watch. So I think they'll have a lot of the ball. Um, and Palace don't seem to mind not having the ball. So I don't think that's going to worry them too much. So I think Palace will sneak a couple on the counter because Brighton have been shown to be a little bit um, a little bit exposed. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think Brighton will be too good for them. I think Brighton going forward um, just have much more to offer than um, Palace do coming forward. Um, Brighton have more than Palace. Don't you think? No, Will Zaha, I will easy. Brighton, Neil Morpay, Connolly. Not interested. Yeah, interesting because oh, I think they they just pose more of a threat. I think. All right, I think we're in disagreement on this one. I'm going to back Palace for the win here. Okay, I got Brighton for me. It's a real derby now, isn't it? Yeah. So, Bright, let me go. Hang on. Let me check this. Um. So Brighton's goals. What have we got so far? I got eight. Palace have got five, but I think... There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Palace are 12th, mate. Palace are winning games. Look at that watertight yeah. defence back there. We'll see. They bloody pipped United brilliantly, so um, I think I think, Palace will, I think Palace will do them in this one. No more discussion to be had. Let's move on. That's going to be that's going to be another another cracking fixture. So this one's actually a good one. Tottenham versus West Ham United. What do you think about this one? Yeah, another derby, isn't it? Yeah, you got the United derby, you've got the West Weird F fifteen derby or whatever they call it, um, and then you've got another a London derby here. So um, I, I think Spurs will be um, too much for for West Ham. West Ham are a bit patchy as well. Um, I think the bad thing for West Ham is that Moisey will be back on the sideline and you won't have psycho running things, um, which is a bit disappointing because um, obviously Moisey had coronavirus, therefore he missed the last couple of games, which obviously um, did West Ham a couple of favours. They performed very well. But I want, do you think that they'll keep, like, do, keep that? Like will Moisey stay in the stands and stay on the mic? <laughs> or honestly, do, honest, honest, this is a real question, or do you think he'll be back down on touchline? Because nah, their results were great. Does he has he got a negative test or like what's the process there? What did Trump do when he had it? He had, it was like just what normal people would do. <laughs> I don't know, mate. Uh, I know Trump man. So I know that he just had regular medical care, but I, I imagine you have to have some sort of negative test um, or a number of negative tests before you can come back into the Premier League. But so I suppose I imagine he's going to be, if he's fit and available, and we are still talking about the manager, <laughs> he'll be in the dugout so, running so, things. So, so when he wasn't there, um, his first, his last game was against Arsenal when he was on the touchline. They lost two one. Um, the time before that, they lost two nil. Um, the time before that, they lost three one. Um, so yeah, struggling there. And then if you go to their um, last couple of games only, um, they actually beat Wolves four nil without him on the touchline, and then actually beat Leicester 3-0 without him on the touchline. So, yeah, I'm serious about them, um, him not being on the touchline. They could be running a different system. It so works the big, so the well. big question that's bugging me is, are we going to see Gareth Bale? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Oh, he's been training the, um, pre-international break, um, which is good news, and so he would have had another week on, on the track. Without the team there, which is good, I think that's positive because when he's not there... Um, and so when the team's not there, he can essentially do his own own type of training, um, which is exactly exactly what he needs. Whereas when the team's there, he sort of has to fall in line and do what the rest of the team are doing. So I think that'll probably do him good, to be honest. And I hope we do see him. Um, if you're Mourinho, do you rush him back? Oh, I think you, you do as soon as he's ready. 
you get rid of um, Mora, who's been playing there, as opposed to um, uh, Kane. Obviously, he's not going to get dropped. And um, Sonny, what do you what do you think? Do you start him? Yeah, I think you have to if he's fit, don't you? It's Gareth Bale well, for God's sake. Give the people what they want. He probably doesn't have ninety in his legs. So no, but I think I think the risk with Bale is, and I know this is stretching a long bow, but if you bring him off the bench, he could get re-injured. Like, and then you've yeah. wasted two subs. So I think you better off starting him and playing him for forty-five minutes if you can get out of him. Um, but the only thing is, West Ham have been in good form, and it's almost slightly disrespectful if you start him just to get a run in the legs. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I, I really hope he starts. I'd love to see that front three of Sun, Kane, and Bale. Oh, I just think that could be irresistible to watch. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and I think I honestly think this this could be a cracking game. Um, and Mikel Antonio can cause the Tottenham defence all sorts of problems. And Eric Dyer didn't have the best time of it on international duty either. Um, so Antonio just seems to be such a difficult character to handle because he seems to have, on his day, he's got all of the attributes. Like he's strong, he's fast, his touch is good, he's good in the air. Like he just seems to be able to do everything when he's on. Um, and I just don't know if Spurs will be able to handle him. So I think this could be a really good game. And I think... You haven't got a tip yet. I know, I've been dancing around that. Um, I think I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be a draw. What do you think? Yeah, I've already got Tottenham. Yep, that Tottenham will will do it there at home for this fixture and we'll get it done. But let's move on to Leicester City and Aston Villa. Jamie Vardy, no international football, retired. He'll be ready to go for this game, won't he? I just need to get this clear in my own head. So this is second versus third. Is that yeah, right? and that's right. And unfortunately, Leicester um, got battered last week too, which is unusual. So Leicester could have been top if they had sorted their stuff out. Um, but yeah, you're right. Second versus third. So um, the winner will um, go into that second spot solely on their own. <laughs> it's just crazy. Aston Villa coming coming off scoring seven against Liverpool, tightening their position on second place. I just never thought I would be saying those words out loud. Um, but, yeah, look, they were unbelievable against Liverpool and that Barkley-Grealish combination seems to be um, coming together quite nicely. Leicester City, um, Leicester City owners in the break actually voted against the 15-pound a game rule. So if you want another reason to like Leicester, like for you new Leicester fans like yourself, mm. there's a reason. The owners aren't money-grubbing, selfish twats either. Um, but, look, I think this will be – I think – Leicester's going to have too much for him. I think Villa, Villa's inflated table position will be reduced. Um, as you said, no international football for Vardy, but a lot of other players in the Leicester side went out and, and had a bit of a jaunt. Um, Tillemans played. I think Dennis Pratt might have played as well for Belgium. Um, yeah, I think that will just be too good for him. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure that I have made up my mind on this one yet. Mm, I like Villa coming off that massive, massive win against Liverpool. Just makes me think that they're, um, you know, more ready for football than than ever before. And I think Leicester's result getting beaten by West Ham rather convincingly and just looking rather limp and having no shots on target last week leads me to think that Villa will get this done. There yeah, okay. So Brendy can't turn it around. Tipping against your own so. team. Yep. Yep. Mm. I'm not, I'm not above that. Bloody new football fans. I can't stand you. All right. So that brings us to West Brom versus Burnley. Oh, what do you think? Swerve this game. Um, no, I swerve this game. I think I think this is um, – I'll put this in the same bucket as um, Sheffield and, and Fulham. But I think if you really, really wanted me to give you a tip, I think um, Burnley will get it done. I think Daishi's boys um, really, really need the points. Um, this is officially a, a six-pointer, um, 18th versus 17th. Um, and even though daishi has got no points at the moment, one of three teams to have no points, the other being Sheffield United and Fulham, who are just below them. <laughs> so we've got the bottom four teams playing each other um, and all between them or before between all four teams, they've only got one point. West Brom having the point, but I think Burnley get it done here um, and this will be a low-scoring game, Burnley 1-0. What do you think? 
Uh, yeah, look, I hope that um, the international break has been kind to Burnley because they've had a pretty tough time of it lately with injuries and squad depth. And Sean Dyche has come out on a number of occasions and said, I need some money, please. Um, but nothing seems to be coming his way. I, I do hope that Burnley can get up in this game, um, but I do think it could be quite boring as well. I'm going to go with Burnley in this one as well. Hopefully they'll have too much for West Brom. I think West Brom just are really struggling down back. They just haven't done anything to impress me thus far. I think they're on the um, Pompey Highway down the leagues. Mm, there you go. But okay, so news. Bielsa, Bielsa's yes. boys versus uh, Portugal. Who this, got in this, this, is a, this is a good game and a user-friendly time as well. So 6 a.m. Tuesday morning. Again, start your day right. Um, so we've got two teams who are contrasting styles, but both very entertaining in their own right. Leeds United and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, Leeds have had a pretty good start to the season, haven't they? Um, they had Great the start, yeah. points against City. They're currently sitting relatively comfortably in eighth. Wolves have been a bit underwhelming, a bit of a slow start, but um, they did win last time out. Um, they did get hammered by West Ham as well. But Leeds, Leeds have been looking quite good and as if they're sort of at their level. But um, I think Wolves might have too much for them in this one. What do you reckon? Oh, interesting. No, I, I kind of think the opposite. I think ever since Leeds come into the league, they've looked right at home. Like they don't look like that they're trying to punch above their, their weight like some of the other promoted teams too. Um, Leeds look rather comfortable where they are. I think if you were to look at um, Wolves' form, um, they've been beaten by Man City, got battered by West Ham, and they only snuck past Fulham 1-0. So I just think if you're going off form, um, you can't like um, Wolves, um, whereas if you contrast that with Leeds' last couple of games, they've been doing rather well. Um, and, yeah, as I said, that they looked the part. So, yeah, I'm going to go against you here. I'm going to go with Leeds to, to get it done against uh, oh, Wolves. So it's always a risk going against me. I'm quite a savvy tipster. But, um, yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. So It will right. be. So, can we, uh, so now we're done with the Prem. So what we're going to do now is just touch on um, Project Big Picture. We've still got a couple of minutes um, to go in this pod. So what I might do is set the scene and, and just underline some points with um, Project Big Picture um, and then we'll collect your thoughts from there, mate. So, couple of points here you ready so um they are proposing that the premier league gets cut down to 18 teams 250 million pounds will be paid to the football league to distribute as they see fit the league cup will be scrapped the community shield will be scrapped parachute payments after you get relegated from the premier league will be scrapped 25% of the league's annual income, being the Premier League, gets pushed down to the EFL and they will divide that up as they see fit. There is a £100 million gift for the FA, um, which is not a bribe, it's a gift. What's the difference? Um, <laughs> um, and then what's going to happen is they're just going to have a bit of a playoff between the, the teams who um, finish... Um, the bottom sort of team who just missed out on the um, initial relegation will go into a bit of a playoff against um, the teams in the championship who were in their, their traditional playoff. So that'll that'll decide because it currently is 20 teams in the Prem. They want it down to 18. So just for that first year, they'll do a bit of a playoff system to get those um, other teams down. Um, they will align with FIFA Fair Play rules um, and UEFA, which I think is a good point. Um and they'll start a preseason um, and have some uh, initial friendly matches as opposed to any of these tournaments um, that are getting scrapped, being um, won the League Cup and obviously the one-off game um, in the Community Shield. So they are the points, but the main one is that um, all of the big six will get um, superior voting rights in the new system and there will be special status for those big six plus Everton, West Ham, and Southampton. Six of the nine votes would be enough to pass any proposal. So it's the big six together um, with some of those bigger, smaller clubs in Everton, Southampton, and West Ham. Um, and, and that way they will control the Premier League and what happens in that point. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on this proposal, mate? Um, obviously, you've got the downside of uh, the... EFL teams really struggling with with revenue, um, but then you've also got to balance that with um, handing over too much power to those big six teams. 
Yeah, it just it seems so opportunistic from the big clubs, doesn't it, to take advantage of the situation we're in. Um, like it, I, it just seems like they, they're going to say 250 mil up front because they know the clubs in the EFL are struggling for cash. Um, so also all those clubs have to give up is basically their voting rights. Um, and then the big six slash nine, and I still don't know how Arsenal got into this list, um, but like they just seem to be giving all the power back to the big clubs and just seems so dangerous moving forward as to like what we love about English football. So Boris Johnson came out and spoke out against the plan. Um, so, and I know you're a big fan of Boris, but um, a spokesperson said it is clear that the proposal does not command support throughout the Premier League and exactly the type of backroom dealing that undermines trust in football governance. So it's heavily driven by um, Rick Parry of the AFL, who I believe is the former chairman of Liverpool, is that right? Oh, I think so, yeah. And yeah. now he's chair. And the other one are two billionaires who just need a little bit more money and don't give a shit about English football, which are the Glazers and um, old mate from Liverpool, John Henry. So look, I'm I don't support it. I do think the I do think there needs to be a review of the strategy of the Premier League and I think there needs to be some governance around that. But um, I don't think it's good I don't think it's good for the Premier League. I don't think it's supportive of – like they, the EFL clubs do need a bailout, but I think they're trading off too much by accepting the bailout because like it's just going to be so much power in the hands of a few. It just seems so American. Um, what do you think? Yeah, like I think that something needs to be done to help these um, league, um, league teams, but I think that – does the responsibility lie with the other clubs there or does it rely on the, the government to help them and support them? But I will say this, which is might be a little bit unpopular, is that I think there are too many um, professional teams running on fumes over in the, the UK. So I think this was happening, but just slowly. I, all I think is coronavirus just um, speeded up the process. But... I mean, these teams and were run poorly to start with anyway. I think once they get this huge chunk of change, all they'll do um, based on history is, is burn it as fast as they can on, on players and, and things like that um, and exorbitant wages to get, you know, buy better players and move them move them up, which is fine to do, but then that's just so short-term. I just think that um, eventually they're just going to find themselves back in the position that, that they were. But one of the best parts of the Premier League is that, you know, anyone can win it in theory um, and, and have a fair go at it. Like Leicester was the best example of that, but Blackburn has, has, has been up there and there's been some um, good title runs by some, um, some smaller teams as well, which is great. That's one of the best parts of the Premier League that you can go to. Man City can easily just go down over to um, to Aston Villa and get battled, battered, or Liverpool can go and do that, and that'll happen to them. Um, but I think if they give up their voting rights, the big six are going to be the big six forever because essentially they're making the decision. So no one will eventually be able to crack that that echelon of clubs, and no one will be able to compete with them financially, and um, no one will be able to compete with them facility-wise and player-wise and academy development-wise. So I just think that it's a bad idea to hand any power over. All 20 clubs should have an equal vote. No other club should be bigger than the others. And I think those other big six clubs should realise that Preston North End need to be Preston North End for you to be Manchester United. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, 100%. You can't be... There's got to be, be there's got to be an away team like there has to be a away team that has yeah. that. like the reason that English football is so much better to watch and as a product than the Spanish league or the Italian league is you do have that jeopardy like you have that it's the most watched vibrant like competitive league structure in football and there's a reason for that like Barcelona B can go and take the piss out of the teams in um, Segunda. Like Barcelona B could literally go to the top of Segunda and just keep winning that as long as they want, and then that would just reinforce Barcelona's dominance. But English football is just so brilliant in the way that that can happen. Like you know the away days at Burnley, like it's like every game is competitive comparatively to what we see in those okay. other leagues. And, yeah, and you can have you can have teams that um, just have a bad 
season or two and, you know, finish eighth or ninth or tenth. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think like Man United went through that recently. Arsenal went through that recently, but they fell out of that top six, eight, even ten. They, they finished in the lower half of the table. Um, Leicester have, have gone down and back up and look where they are now. Like just all of that will go away and all you'll have is a big six um, fighting for titles and then everyone else just fighting for relegation. That That's that's all that's going to happen. But, yeah, so I hope it doesn't go through. I, like, obviously, something needs to happen, but I'm not saying I've got the the answer here, but I just don't think that it – The essentially what's happening is all the smaller clubs are selling their votes for money um, and giving up all their power just to survive, and then in three, four, five years' time when they're burnt through the 250 million, because 250 million is going across, like – what's that, 30, 60 teams. So 250 million doesn't really go far across 60, to 60 teams. And then sure enough, in two, three years' time, we're going to be in the exact same position and none of these clubs have any power to do anything about it now because they're giving their voting rights up. Seems crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it doesn't. It's just not the right step forward and it's just it's motivated purely by greed. Like it's, and no matter how, what, what, try, what you try and put on it and tell me what it is, it's motivated by... Greedy people who don't really love football like the average person in England does, um, or even around the world, really. Um, like the reasons that we fell in love with the English game, they're just trying to take that away. So, look, I hope it doesn't right. get across. But let's 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 cheer things up a bit and hit the mailbag. What's this mailbag? What have you got for us um, in the mailbag? You've got mail. You've got mail. Anything good? Uh, so if we go in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he hasn't even checked yet. Uh, just downloading just, them all later. <laughs> uh, no, it's a physical mailbag. I'm just opening it now. All right. So, hey, lads, hope you're fitting well. I am. Um, yep. After watching Bam Beyond Ice, Harry Maguire performance against <laughs> Denmark, I thought I would send through the screenshot from the message that Jova himself with his views on Harry's after his A1 performance against Spurs. This time... This sometime Tim Sherwood level of assessment of the great man. I'll just leave this here. And I, I the message is from him, I'm not sure. How does Harry Maguire get work? I said, Harry Maguire is not a world beater, but he isn't fucking shit, but he's being hung out to dry. I blame the manager. He's involved with oh. the first goal, though. Um, so I didn't need reminding of that. I think I've mentioned earlier on the pod, I don't want to hear shit that I've said. I know what I said. I said it. Um, so bring, bring, bring me something new, Sam. Um, thanks for emailing in, but you can get in touch with us at um, that's footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook is footballplayedonpaper. Instagram is at footballplayedonpaper. Twitter at football on pods. Don't forget to go and give us a five star rating. Email in. I might, I might have a personal shot at you. <laughs> um, no, uh, look, you're good. That, that'll do us, I think. All right. Very good. Prem's back. Enjoy your football this weekend. Thank God the Nations League over and the Prem's back. See ya.